Let's try that again. Good evening. Okay, uh, just a couple quick announcements because this is all new, right? So question number one, can we sing? Please do, right? Uh, question number two, I don't remember what question number two was. Maybe that was the only one. Yes, as long as you're distanced, right? Okay, so uh, if you're a regular part of Grace, things are going to look different tonight. Uh, we're doing something special tonight, and so there's going to be a lot of different uh, moving parts. Um, oh, the second one wasn't really a question. It was more of a, just an announcement. Uh, this was all last minute. You guys all, most of you heard about this on Friday. Um, I heard about it on Tuesday. Well, basically, we got the okay and all that kind of, um, the moving parts of us meeting in here um, just happened this week, so it's fairly last minute, so we do not have words on the screen like we normally would indoors. So there will be nothing up here um, for singing, and so hopefully you know the songs. If you don't know the songs, um, you can worship alongside of us as you try to sing the songs or just listen. But hopefully next week we'll have uh, the projector working, and so that's I think those are the only two things I have. But again, we're doing something different tonight. Uh, I said this in the email, but I know that a lot of my emails go straight to your spam. Uh, we are going to work really hard for the foreseeable future as we're in this space and don't have childcare. We're going to work really hard at keeping this under an hour. Uh, and during that hour, um, please, 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 please do not feel bad if your kids make noise or have to get up and wiggle in the aisle just a little bit. Okay? That's just a part of being a big family, and that's what we are. So, here we go. Uh, I'm going to preach first, and then we're going to walk through um, the rest of our service. So, we're going to start in Jonah. Jonah chapter 3. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So, if you know the story of Jonah, like the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and he tells him, um, go warn Nineveh that I'm going to judge them unless they repent. And uh, Jonah says, no, I hate the Ninevites. They're exceedingly evil. And he goes the other direction, right? And so we, then we have the storm, um, the thrown overboard, the, the, the three days in the belly of the fish, that whole story, right? So then uh, Jonah repents, gets thrown back up on land. And it, in chapter 3, we say, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth. And from the greatest of them to the least... Then, came the, the word, then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, neither, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God, Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that the people, so that we may not perish? 
And when God saw their works and that they had turned from their evil way, God turned from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So what we, along with thousands of other churches, are doing um, today is we are having a Sunday of repentance. A Sunday of repentance to come before God and ask for forgiveness for the sins that we have committed as people, the sins that we have committed as the church, and the sins that we have committed as a nation. And so before we get into this, there's a couple of things I want to say. This has nothing to do with the election. I want to make that very clear. This is not a repentance for voting Democrat or a uh, repentance for uh, being too liberal. This is uh, repentance to follow the creator of the universe, right? A repentance of our failure to follow the creator of the universe. So this isn't partisan or political in any way, shape, or form. If we look at the story of Jonah, right, there's a couple of things that we see. We see that God loves Nineveh. Now, if we look at this from a historical perspective, um, this could repulse us just a little bit because the, the Assyrians, Nineveh was the capital city of the nation of Assyria. They were unbelievably brutal. They would skin people alive when they conquered them. Um, they, they, like, not just in the Bible, if you look back through history, you see that the, the Ninevites and the Assyrians were unbelievably brutal and evil people. But yet we see here that God loves them. Hebrews 12, this is a little bit out of context, but Hebrews 12 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And so we can look at uh, the nation of America. Sometimes when we um, read through the Old Testament and we see the promises made to the people of God, there have been mistakes made, drastic, huge mistakes made um, by American pastors in applying texts and promises made to Israel and then applying and using them in an application towards America. We can't do that. But what we see here in Jonah is a, the same promise of, uh, of blessing if there is repentance made to the nations. That's us. We're the nations. We're the Gentiles. And we see those promises made here. God warned Jonah, or God warned Nineveh. He said, yet, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, an interesting thing we see in the book of Jonah is that um, that's what Jonah said to Nineveh. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. There's no promise of relent there if they repent. By the way, that's not the sermon that God told him to preach, right? There was a promise of relenting in the original sermon that God told Jonah to preach. Jonah cut that part out. Right? He cut Jesus right out of the sermon. And he just said, y'all are going to die. That's what he told them. And yet still we see the Spirit moving, and yet still we see repentance happening on the part of the Assyrians. And if Nineveh, okay, here's the point. If Nineveh responded the way they did without a promise, how much more should we respond with one? So the promises made from us to Genesis to Revelation is that if we will turn to God, he will relent. He will forgive. He will bless. He will draw us to himself. What was their response? Number one, they believed God, right? So they believed what Jonah said about them being destroyed in 40 days. They believed it. 
And then the decree made by the king of Nineveh that they would turn from their evil ways and the violence of their hands. So we see a spirit-led response without the promise. There it is. So their turn prevented them from being destroyed, prevented them from being judged. So the application that we're making here tonight is that it's our turn. Okay, thousands of churches all along, all, all across our country today and tonight are doing this same service with these same scriptures and calling on themselves, calling on their churches, and calling on the nation of America to repent of its sin, to repent of its pride, to repent of its arrogance, to repent of its uh, refusal to honor God as God from a personal level to a national level. In Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, it says, If at any time, okay, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck it up, break down, and destroy it, if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. Any nation. Okay? Uh, if you look in Matthew chapter 12, we see Jesus actually uh, honoring the repentance of the Ninevites. Okay, what does he say? He's, he's talking to the people uh, of Israel and he's rebuking them for their arrogance and for their pride. And he says, even the nation of, uh, of Assyria, even the Ninevites repented. They turned, they honored God. And it's, he says, they will judge you. What a scary thing as the chosen people of God to be told that, by the way, the non-Christians, the non-people of God, they're going to judge you because they were more repentant than you are. So you and I and us as a church and us as a nation are faced with the question, will we repent? Will we repent on a personal level? Will we repent as churches? Will we repent as a nation? Uh, in Daniel chapter 9, we see Daniel actually repenting for the sins of his nation. Uh, we're going to do that tonight. We're going to repent for sins that we may or may not be guilty of. But Scripture uh, repeatedly shows us that intercessory prayer and intercessory repentance actually uh, is, is an extremely powerful and effective thing that we can do in the presence of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we see drought and disease in the land. We see the Lord asking for humbling prayer and seeking and turning, and then he will heal and forgive. 2 Samuel chapter 21 tells of a famine in the land, and King David actually goes and finds out, he does an investigation and finds out the sin that caused the judgment and calls the nation to repentance and the famine is reversed. In Joel's chapter 1 and 2, we are told to return to God so that his judgment will relent. And even in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, we have Abraham praying on behalf of uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, repeatedly saying, Lord, if, you, if, if there are 50 faithful men in the entire city found, will you relent? And God says, yes. And it goes all the way down to 10. And not ten men were found faithful in the city, and so the city was judged. But God constantly throughout the Scripture shows, shows a desire and a willingness to relent of judgment. 
God also gives us signs, okay? All through the scriptures, all through history, we see signs uh, when we need to turn and repent. Religious, political, and social uh, corruption, when those things become rampant, those are signs that we see all through the scriptures. When, uh, when uh, rampant sexual immorality becomes apparent in a social uh, society or a culture or a country, it's time to repent. The United States leads the world in illegal and prescription drug use, rape, murder, total crime, incarceration, pornography, creation and distribution, abortion, divorce, We need to stop blaming the other side for the sins of our country. We need to stop blaming the world for the sins of our country. Because by the way, most of the sins that I just read off are just as prevalent in this room as they are out there. If I'd explain this year to you um, in December, right? Okay, here's 2020 for you. Virus, okay? Global virus, everything's going to shut down. The economy is going to go off a cliff, uh, both local and global. There's going to be a rapid spike in depression, suicide, racial division, extreme polarization, politically distrust in every institution, riots and violence in the streets, unbelievable wildfires, and the list continues to go on. Could these be warning signs for us? Could they be? When we're in the middle, we don't always see it clearly, right? But here's the question that we have to ask. Are these signs for us? If the, que- if the answer is yes, it forces us to come to a conclusion. Are we going to turn? If the answer is no, we continue and live in the same paths that we have lived But seeing it clearly forces us to look away from our distractions, to set aside our pride and our arrogance that says, yeah, but I didn't do that, and address the issue. Perhaps our idea of a loving Jesus doesn't allow us to imagine him being offended by our sin or being a judge. There are two types of sin, sins of commission and sins of omission. The former, like this, a sin of commission, is uh, you know what to do and you choose to do something else, right? Sins of omission are sins that you uh, refuse to do something that you should do, right? So you're doing the wrong thing versus refusing to do the right thing. There's a difference there, but we are guilty and we are guilty of both. As individuals, as churches, and as a nation. In Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, we see Jesus uh, addressing seven churches, right? And how many of them, just real quick trivia, how many of them does he not warn? He warns almost all of them, right? He, and he calls on them to do what? to repent. He calls on them to repent. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to do that as a church, and we're going to do that on behalf of our nation. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing, and we're going to get going.
Father, we love you. And we ask, Jesus, that you would be with us tonight. Father, that you would right now be opening our hearts. Opening our hearts, Father, to our own pride, our own evil ways. That we would look around ourselves and and see the corruption in our hearts, the corruption in our hands as individuals, as churches, and Father, as a country. We have turned from you in so many ways. We have refused to trust you. And tonight we come before you and ask for your forgiveness. Amen.